Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The word of God for the people of God. may be seated. So today we are looking at a passage that is probably very familiar to many of us, a passage that contains one of Jesus's most well-known parables, the parable of the Good Samaritan. But let's spend just a moment with the opening part of this text. It gives us some context into what is going on in this story. Jesus is approached by a lawyer. What must I do to inherit eternal life, he asks. Now, Jesus loved to answer a question with another question. (laughs) So he says to the lawyer, what do you think? Now, a lawyer would have been a religious scholar, someone who would have been an expert in interpreting the law, the Torah. So Jesus asked this man, this man who was trying to test Jesus, Jesus asked him to tell him what he knows based on his study of the law. And the lawyer does really well with his answer. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. He's combining two important pieces of Jewish law. And he is expressing what we as Christians think of as the cross-shaped life. We love the Lord and we love each other. Jesus is very pleased with this answer. He tells them, do this and you will live. Do what you just said, Jesus says, and you will get the reward you were seeking. Well, like I said, the lawyer was trying to test Jesus, and when Jesus had made him answer, 
that testing kind of turned around on him, so he tries again. He asks a pretty tough question. Who is my neighbor? And that is where Jesus tells the parable we are familiar with. The parable that transcends its literary origin and can be seen in newspaper headlines whenever someone selflessly serves another person. Good Samaritan has real meaning to people whether or not they have ever darkened the doorway of a church. So you're probably, like I said, super familiar with the details. A man is traveling and he is robbed, beaten, and left for dead. Two men pass by, a priest and a Levite, and both of these religious men cross to the other side of the road to avoid him. Now let me say something here. I grew up in church and I've heard a few sermons on this text myself. I know that at least once or twice it has been posited that these men, these good religious men, had reasons for not stopping. They didn't want to become unclean and therefore unable to complete their duties in the temple, for instance. Well, here's the thing. There's no indication that that is the point. The point is, these are two men that the original hearers of this story would have absolutely expected to stop and help. That's how parables work. Parables have one point to make. And while the point that you get from the story may not change, and it may actually preach a finer point when we add a little bit of color to the story that's not actually there, the point is two good Jewish leaders would be expected to know their duty to love the Lord, and to love their neighbor. They would be expected to help. And that is why this parable works. That's why all parables work. They were easy for those who heard them to understand. They were set in the culture of the people who heard them. The hearers were not asked to make excuses for these men. They were expected to understand, even if this story went no further, that that was not what it looked like to be a neighbor to the man who was in a ditch, left for dead. But the story does go further, because we all know that the conventions of good storytelling beg that a third man come along, and that somehow that third man must be different from the first two. The first two were both clergy, essentially, so probably the crowd expected the third man to be an ordinary man, probably an ordinary Jewish man, just like they were like that lawyer. That always makes the story good, right? When you can place yourself in it. So here comes the third man, the man who will do right. He will be just like me. Then Jesus makes him a Samaritan. A Samaritan. We've talked about this before. The Jews hated Samaritans. Remember, the hearers were probably expecting this man to do the right thing and help the man in the ditch. And they were probably ready to relate to this third man until Jesus said he was a dirty, rotten, no good, horrible Samaritan. The Samaritan does stop and he does take great care of the man. He changes his plans for the day to help the man he finds in the ditch. That is what it means to be a good Samaritan. 
Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? Jesus asks. Was it the priest, the Levite, the Samaritan? Notice that the lawyer cannot even bring himself to say the Samaritan. He says, the one who showed him mercy. Which is pretty cool because that's a great definition of neighbor. The one who shows us mercy. The parable forced the hearers to rethink everything when the third man was a Samaritan. And maybe, perhaps, perhaps, instead of picturing themselves as the third man in the story, some of them may have realized that they might be the man in the ditch. The man in the ditch was the one who was in need of a neighbor. The man in the ditch did not care who his neighbor was. He did not care who showed him mercy. He just needed someone to show him mercy. The man in the ditch realized that ethnicity was not what mattered, the color of the third man's skin, or the flavor of his religion, or the makeup of his family tree, or the geographic location of his home did not matter at all to the man in the ditch. What mattered was what the third man did, how that third man acted, and how that third man showed love to him when he was in need. The parable forced the hearers to imagine themselves in a ditch, to imagine themselves in need, reaching out, relying on the help of a stranger whom they would be able to call neighbor. Jesus told the lawyer after he gave such a good answer to the lawyer's first question, you have given the right answer, do this and you will live. After the lawyer gives the right answer following this parable, Jesus tells him simply, go and do likewise. Not this time because you will live, just go and do. Serve your fellow man in need because it is the right thing to do. Serving others without a mind for who or what they are, only knowing that the one who is being served is in need, that is what makes the kingdom of God break into this world that can be so dark. It has been another heartbreaking week in our country. The shootings at the 4th of July parade in Highland Park were tragic and horrible. And with so much else going on in our country, the aftermath, as usual, has not been limited to mourning and nationwide shock. The aftermath includes a renewed ramping up of rhetoric from every side, this time about gun control. You know, they say when bad things happen, when we're in the midst of a crisis, we cease to have words. We don't know what to say. It doesn't feel like that to me. It feels to me like we are a country full of nothing but words to say. We go to our corners and we shout at each other all of the same things that we believed before the latest tragedy, before the latest court ruling, before the latest international incident. And here's the sad part. We become more and more polarized. We become more numb than ever to the other side. We become more and more likely to see people not as individuals, but as friends or foes. Those who think like us and those who don't. In other words, we start to think like Jews and Samaritans. 
We start passing each other by, crossing to the proverbial other side of the road to avoid one another. Think about how you curate what you read, what you watch. We see someone in need, and rather than assessing how we can give them a helping hand, sometimes we try to figure out how their own behavior got them in the ditch in the first place. We stop serving each other like Jesus taught us to because we have ceased to see each other as individuals. Love God and love your neighbor and you will have eternal life. But do as the Good Samaritan did. Serve without thought for self or what society says is proper. And you and your neighbor will have abundant life, not later, but now. Now. And here's the thing. That neighbor, part of your community. That's why we call it neighbor. What happens when you help your neighbor have abundant life, Becky? What happens when Kay helps her neighbor? What happens when we all help our neighbors? Guess what? Our community has a more abundant life. Love God and love your neighbor by serving him or her. It's what the Lord requires, is what the Lord did, and our Savior Jesus Christ came and served and show us, showed us the way. Let us always remember that. And remember that when we call ourselves Christians, we vow to do as Jesus did and live as Jesus lived calling everyone we meet neighbor, fully aware that one day we may be the ones that are looking for mercy instead of the ones who have the privilege to show it. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the diversity of people in this world and the amazing gift of free will and free thought that you have given us. We sometimes sit perplexed because we wonder if we are all seeking to follow you, how we all have such different opinions. But Lord, I think this just shows us how big and diverse and wonderful you are. We could never understand you any more than we can understand each and every one of our neighbors. But Lord, we love you. And we can love our neighbors. Lord, help us this week to see each other as individuals. Not as people who hold certain opinions. Not to hold those opinions up next to our own and figure out if they meet and match. Lord, just help us to be those people who look in our hands, look at our blessings, and figure out how to use them in service to you and the world. In the ultimate Good Samaritan's name, we pray this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.